Hello everybody and welcome. This is the Midnight McBride show, show number 71. And this week's show is called Bounce Back Becky. And that's because I've got theatre priestess Becky Jade with me in the studio. Hello Becky. Hello. Hi, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. We've never had a theatre priestess before. Great, glad to be the first. Maybe before we get into it properly, because we're mm-hmm. going to go on your journey and talk about yeah. your life and how you arrived in this present moment. Tell us briefly, what is a theatre priestess? Briefly is going to be a challenge for me well, <laughs> and the modality. So theatre healing is a practitioner from Viana Stiebel. Um, from? Viana Stiebel is the founder. Okay. So theatre is... Um, it's basically, as we grow and develop, we have lots of beliefs and we build beliefs, like as we grow from children, that we take on from our parents, from our experiences. Some of those beliefs can be quite limiting. So theta healing is a modality that works um, putting you into a theta meditative brain state. Yeah. And it helps to dig around what's going on with you, what are your limiting beliefs, and helps you lift them and release them and reprogram you with more positive downloads in order for you to be released and move forward. Very good. I thought we were going to go off on a tangent there, but you <laughs> managed that. You, I can put my like, I, can, I can put my commercial head on if I need to behave. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you. The brain operates. You've got uh, they use the Latin names, don't they? So you've got beta waves and uh, delta waves, yeah. gamma waves, theta yeah. wave. Yeah, yes, exactly. And it's bringing yourself into this state. Yeah, into a deep meditative theta state. Right. Okay. So Becky, how we met, and this is quite. Interesting. We've got Jenny Berry, mm-hmm. who's been on the show recently with me, and then she did another show recently, what I call a back-to-back show, which hasn't been heard yet, with Liam Brown. And Jenny was introduced to Liam mm-hmm. by you. Yes. And then Jenny introduced me to Liam, and then through Liam I met his Yoga Rebels, and I've had many guests on the show, all part of Liam's posse, and my tribe too now, beautiful people. Yes. So you were sort of the instigator of... All of this. For, yeah, if you introduced into getting introduced to Liam and Jenny, yes, yeah, well, yeah, or Jenny was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how did you know Jenny? Oh gosh, Jenny's a family friend. So um, actually my mum and her mum met in hospital when uh, my mum was having me and her mum was having uh, her brother. Right, so you go back. <laughs> Way back. 22 years. Yeah, I'm if I'm 22. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'll take yeah. that, yeah. How old are you, Becky? <laughs> oh God, 41. 41. Just I'm, an age. Just a I'm... 48, 49 this year. So it's it becomes irrelevant when you get past 40. It really doesn't matter, you know. Uh, you just keep yourself healthy and, mm-hmm. and keep this right. Yeah, you know? mental mind, yeah. Yeah. So people who watch this show regularly mm-hmm. know what we do. And I say, your past doesn't define you. It's just your view on the journey to this present moment. So we talk about somebody's life and then quite often with what they're doing now, it all starts to click in and make sense. We understand exactly. what drives them, motivates them and mm-hmm. why they do the things they do. And we're going to do your journey today. Becky, and it all started in Eccles in Salford. It did, yeah. Hope Hospital, the one and only. Ah. See, I didn't used to spend a great deal of time in Salford until I started doing the radio show on Mm -hmm. Salford City Radio. So I I was there every week for uh, a long time. Mm -hmm. And also I used to go to parties there when we'd been clubbing and stuff, but we'll get to that. (laughs) So this is where your journey started. Are you Mm -hmm. an only child? No, I've got a younger brother. How old is your younger brother now? He's 2.5 years younger than me. So okay. what's that make him? 38, 39 20. this year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 20. <laughs> uh, what's your brother called? Ben. Okay. And which school did you go to? Uh, so I went to Wentworth High School in Eccles. And how was that? Mm, fine. Yeah, I mean, um, 
I guess I was just one of those middle of the ground kids, to be honest, at school. So kind of I floated around different sets. So never necessarily the most coolest kid, but not like the what you class as geeks. I know it's a derogatory term, but at that time growing yeah. up. So I just kind of, yeah, just so school was all right for me, really. See, we'll get to this in a mm-hmm. bit, but clearly you're a highly intelligent woman oh, because by your own declaration, you pissed around at university and you still got a first. <laughs> I pissed yeah. around at university and I'd barely scraped through. <laughs> Managed to pull out the bag last minute. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I really did piss around at university. Mm. I mean, I, I remember going to a particular lecture. I don't talk about this in too much detail, but <laughs> we had an ecstasy tablet and we smoked it on the way into the uh, law lecture. And we, we didn't even make it across the railway bridge. We fell asleep on the railway bridge. Three hours later, went back to a halls <laughs> of residence. You know, yeah. that was what it was like. Yeah, so. I can resonate with that story completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and that's when you're daft and young enough where you think smoking a, an ecstasy tablet is a good idea. Yeah, or snorting it. Yeah, oh, oh, that burns, doesn't it? But <laughs> yeah. You said that as you were younger, mm-hmm. Cleaning cars was sort of your thing for your pocket money. Yeah, well, I had lots of avenues to get pocket money. So my dad's definitely taught us like that whole work hard, play hard ethic. Um, So my dad's a second-hand car dealer. So yeah, he would take me down to the pitch and I'd have to clean cars to get money. But even my mum would have me like cleaning the cupboards, cleaning the doors. It wasn't like child labour. Slave labour. That sounds like it's like child labour, like slave labour. But I think it's just instilling that good like work ethic and understanding the value of money. Did your dad have a sheepskin coat? Do you know what, funnily like enough, Elbow. I don't ever remember him having one, but he does tell a story of when I was a little, he'd, he'd got this new sheepskin coat and he thought he was like the bee's knees and he'd been like burping me before he went out to meet his mates in the pub and I was Burp. sick down the back of it. So he did have one. I just don't, I'm not seeing the photographic evidence, but he actually did have one. And he also got that, do you remember the massive mobile phones? He was one yeah, of the first yeah. to get the really big phones. When I was 19 years old, I had what they call an NEC P100. And it was like a one of the first mobile phones. It was a, a brick. And I thought it was the bee's knees. I had a leather jacket on. I was selling speed, I think. Yeah. You know, and I thought... Proper drug dealer. Yeah. I thought I was all this and I must have looked like a right bell end. But there, there we go. You moved around as a kid, you said. Yeah. Salford, but Droylsden as well. Salford went to Droylsden because that's where my mum's family's from and my dad's um, pitch was. And then we ended up also moving to Spain for a stint. <laughs> right. Mm. I, why? What happened there? Why? I think because mum and dad just wanted to, like, the idea being is, like, my dad was obviously going to carry on his business in the UK and he'd fly over and that we'd have a life over there. Um, the period that we went ended up being, like, one of the biggest heat waves in Spain and it was quite unbearable. So we went, like, before school had finished, then we spent into the summer term and then by the time the schools were returning, I think my parents had well and truly decided to come back. Yeah. Um, it's been a bit, like, my dad continuously wants to keep moving over there, but it's my mum who keeps him. More in, well, I say more in the UK. They they split the time between yeah. the two locations. Are, are they still together? Yes, dad? yes, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And do they still live in Manchester? So they live. So we, my parents moved um, to Warrington. Right. Um, God, when I was still at uni, I think it was um, because they like literally downsized so they could like spend more of the time in Spain and stuff. And Dad like sold his business, and they they've got that lovely idyllic kind of life where like me, my mum had me when she was twenty one. So like you know, I was growing up when they were still young enough to be enjoying and having their own life. So they they split the time between England and Spain. Yeah. You said that you experienced teenage, usual teenage Usual angst. teenager, yeah. Yeah. What does that entail? Because for me, it might be very different than it was for you. Oh, I mean, like, yeah, look, everyone's got a story and stories don't define you. So, yeah, um, obviously just some things that happen when you're, like, growing up. But I guess the teenage angst bit specifically is just, you know, Gosh, I actually ended up going to see a counsellor when I was, what was that, 14 or 15? But it was just those big, like, I was very spiritual. 
I always felt really like, I used to call it God at the time, we'd call it creator or uh, source energy now and energy of all that is, but always felt really connected. And then so many things were happening to me, around me, and to people I loved and deaths and things like that and bad stuff. And I was a bit like, fuck you, creator. Like I've had enough, like all the time, God, I've had enough. You had a few people, including a dog dying quick succession, didn't you? Yeah, like my great aunt Nora and the dog and then my nana June, who was really, really close to my mum's mum's mum. And that had a really um, big impact on my granddad, who I was adored um, and he'd turned into alcoholism and just deteriorated rapidly as a man. It, he didn't actually pass away for a number of years later, but my, I effectively lost my granddad on the same time as I lost yeah. my nana because yeah. they'd been like, he'd been in love with my nana since he was something like 12 years old. Yeah. Um, but then I started having that whole head expansion experience where like, you know, you're just starting to learn about your soul and your body and leaving your body and like realizing that there's so much more out there and you question everything. Yeah. And then like, where'd you go with that? And at the time I just used to lie awake at night having all these questions. And sometimes now I can recognize like that empath in me of picking up other people's emotions and being affected by what was happening. But at the time I could just suddenly feel depressed for no reason. And I was like, where's that come from? I don't, is it mine? Is it not mine? Like, why do I feel sad? Or then I'd be like challenging and questioning so much in my mind. And I didn't know how to say how to process it all. So I went to the doctor with it and they tried to write me a prescription. And even then I was quite strong-willed. Uh, and that was before I'd, I'd, I'd found recreational drugs, but um, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. And I went to do like talking therapy right. um, about it. Yeah. I, I know my teens were a strange time. I was very spiritual for a while. Mm. And then I got to sort of my late teens, early 20s, became disconnected from that. Yeah. And then there's like a 20 a year blackout yeah. where I just went partying. And I became completely disconnected. It was only after my nervous breakdown when I was, I don't know, 41, something like that, yeah. 42, when. I properly reconnected. And for that whole period, I was violent. I was taking drugs. I was yeah. miserable. And yeah, it was, it's strange. It was like that person doesn't exist anymore now. That person's gone. Yeah. It's strange, isn't it? So many people you talk to on a spiritual path or have, because we talk about this awakening, don't they? I think for many of us, it's actually a reawakening. We're all, well, yeah. we're all connected when we're born. A lot of us are very spiritual at a younger age. Yeah. And then it seems to be this key period around your teenage times and your early twenties where you become disconnected well, and you look to other avenues. You've been programmed by school. Exactly. And you exactly. become... I say all careers advisors need careers advice. You, yeah. you say, right, the compass needs to navigate is what's going to earn you the most money, what's going yeah. to get the biggest car, the biggest house, give you the most power, mm-hmm. control, status. Really, the compass to navigate through life should simply be, does this make you happy? Yeah. And does it benefit other people? Absolutely. And not only that, it's like, what are the tools to equip you as a person? What are your unique strengths? What is your personality? How do you shine? We don't do that. We put people in the education system. We want to dull them, buff them, make them fit in a box. My daughter's got like dyspraxia, dyscalculia, dyslexia. And all we're trying to do is equip her. That's as she comes out, still shining the bright. Like she's so much intelligent and um, creative. And I don't want the school programming to like program it out of her. Like it dulled me, you know? That's what they try and do. Of course they do. I I say in the book, there's... There's no happy class. It's not even on the syllabus. The most important job you have as a human Mm. being while you're in this space suit for a brief time in this realm is to be happy because when you're happy, you give that to everybody else. That's how you lift the consciousness of the planet and Mm. the world. And it's not on the syllabus. They don't teach you how to meditate. They don't teach you about social skills. They don't teach you about good mental health. It's money, 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 money. So when you get to 18, 19, whatever, you leave the schooling system, most of us are quite miserable. Then Mm. we hit the recreational drugs. And 
generally a spiritual awakening or the shift, something along these lines happens. You get to your late 30s, maybe early 40s, and it's part or a necessary part yeah. of a spiritual awakening. The shift, you know, mm-hmm. you can call it a midlife crisis, whatever. I was just going to say the same thing. Like a lot of people say, oh, midlife crisis. But actually, is it not just the fact that yeah. life's not spat you out, but you've gone through the you processes start... and plans that you think, the steps that you think you need to take. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, hang on a minute, what's just happened? I want to, I've got a moment now to pause and reflect. And that can, you know, it can impact you in different ways, can't it? Yeah. It's, it's like being on a treadmill. I say some people yeah. figure it out, but when you're on that treadmill, you run at hundred miles an hour, there's this race with no finish line. Yeah. And I got thrown off it. And then I look back and I thought, what have I been doing for 20 yeah. years? And you reawaken, you yeah. exactly like you said, you sort of figure it all out again and you have to rebuild and yeah. the shell breaks, it cracks and you've got to start again. Mm-hmm. And that's what I had to do. Well, a lot of people have that, don't they? A lot of people have like a big event. I mean, you don't necessarily have to have a big event to awaken up. You don't have to have a, a, a dark night of the soul like many of us have had, but you don't necessarily need to have that to continue on your spiritual journey. But yeah, a lot of people do have that event that like actually like 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 shocks them. It's like, oh, actually what's happening? You know, like what am I doing? Like something happens, like it's a breakdown. I had my divorce, my divorce, like husband affair, which I'm sure we'll get to, and then a toxic yeah. relationship. And that was all made me think, actually, hang on a minute, whose who's life am I living and for who? Is this for myself? Because it wasn't. Maybe tell us briefly, we'll just touch on it yeah. now, but you went clubbing, you got to your 20s yeah. and clubbing. Which clubs did you go to? Ah, uh, Crasher, Cream, Money Pennies, Sankey Soaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I missed the Hass because I was just like a little yeah, bit too bit young. Too, it was just yeah, closing, yeah, bowlers. Yeah. So yeah, 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 I was that girl that would talk to anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dancing as well, yeah. but like into chat, making loads of friends. But yeah, I mean... There were just there were times that we were learning. We were, we were learning about like freedom, weren't we? Getting out there and discovering yeah. there was a big world. I was the guy on the podium with a big bag of cocaine in his pocket, <laughs> a big bag of pills in the other pocket, 17, 18 stone, dancing all night and not sleeping for three, four days. Oh, you know, regular. Yeah. Now, I didn't sleep at weekends for nearly 20 years. Oh, know. gosh, that's a long time. I think mm. mine was probably not as long as that. It's like four years, maybe. Like, yeah. Most of my friends, they got to sort of the 30s, maybe sort of early 30s, and then yeah. they started settling down of kids and all that. I was like, I've not done yet. I have yeah. not finished. <laughs> uh, but that's why probably my breakdown was more severe than other people's. Were they, rather than a gentle change in direction, yeah. I had to break wall. You know, so. Yeah, I had a couple of things that like helped me, if you like, because um, I'd like I'd always I always knew I was going to go to university, like that was my path. Um, and so even though I had a year out, I, like I had the you know I went I went to university, I had that coming, so I had then the opportunity to connect to different people. But I carried on clubbing through the start of uni, as I said, like messed around. Um, but I also had quite a terrifying experience on ecstasy where I left my body. Now I under- I've had that actually in the past, and I have like you know expanded my soul yeah. out. At the time, it's scary as shit when you're like first time. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially under the influence as well. I yeah. really did think yeah. I was like like dying, and like I remember like specifically like talking myself back in because it yeah. was quite a scary experience. Experience. So I didn't touch E after that. Um, but then obviously, obviously Coke was still quite a quite a friend of mine, I yeah, thought. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and but then it scared me how um how it changed me and how I, yeah. I started to need it. It's very, very destructive drug cooking. Yeah. Underestimated. It starts off casual, you're having a few lines when you're drinking. Then you start having it when you're not drinking. Yep. Plus if you're drinking with it, alcohol and cocaine are the two most commonly taking drugs together. Yeah. And you've zero willpower. You have two pints in, you think, right, okay, I need some coke. Because I had a lot of cocaine around me, I used to sell yeah. coke. I had an unlimited supply and yeah. I was, yeah, ravaged by it yeah. for years. It starts off where you're doing it socially and then it becomes antisocial, destructive and independency. It does. It does. Know, did for me. And yeah, I, yeah, I've had those moments where a boyfriend meet me at a car park when I was working at the Trafford Centre and having a line. 
you know, mm. when I'm a lunch hour. Yeah. Um, I also had like a horrible like alcoholic poisoning episode because yeah. like you're drinking when you could like you're having your line, you're having a shot, you drink like and, and like carrying on all the way through the night, and then yeah. all of a sudden I'd gone a bottle of rum and my stomach was like, uh, yeah. don't like that. I, I think it's really good. We're not dwelling on it, but mm. it's good to acknowledge it and talk about it yeah. because it happened. There's no point pretending yeah. it didn't. Yeah. And when we talk about what happened, people can learn from it. So exactly. it's really important. I say you can't learn anything if we don't talk about everything. If you don't have all the information, how can mm -hmm. you make an informed decision, a yeah. good decision? You can't. So I talk about anything, you know. There's, I haven't come across a topic yet that is off, <laughs> off bounds, you know, out of bounds. So. That's all right. I always get told I've got no filter, so you're in good company. Yeah. Oh, we've got to get on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then you're off to university. Mm -hmm. And which uni did you go to? Salford. Oh, right, right. I didn't venture far, did yeah. I? And that was just because of the like the paradigm I was locked into at the time with my friends and that safety net and the clubbing and my boyfriend at the time was with a guy for four years. Um, and so, yeah, and I'd wanted to do psychology. Fascinating. And, yeah. The less travelled, M. Scott Peck, have you read that? No. Beautiful, fantastic book. No, yeah, well, I, Nothing I, um, more interesting than the mind, yeah, that's what excites me. Yeah, I think, I think my problem was that I'd gone to do my A-levels and messed around. Got told I was going to like basically a few weeks before the exams that I was like going to fail them and I, like I hadn't even handed in my coursework. My mum got called in, so I had to sort that out. And then my psychology teacher was look, I was going to do child psychology, and she actually let me read some of her PhD work on abused children. And I think I, I referenced earlier, but because I was like this mind of like I, obviously I understand it now as an empath and and reading that, I was like actually no, can I I take that on? Can I cope with that? And it my mind at the time and trying to process my thoughts and understand what I was feeling and and the learning, the journey that I was going on, I realised that, like I, like, I couldn't do it. And I was like, I had this massive crisis of faith of, like, what like what do I do if I'm not going to be a child psychologist, which is what I've been saying since my school choices in yeah, high school I'm yeah. going to be, because, God, like, you get asked at what age, like, 15, what are you going to be when you grow up? I mean, how yeah, yeah, yeah. that? I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up now. I don't know what I'm going to be I when I grow up. I haven't figured it out. No, I, I haven't decided yet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so actually I didn't do psychology. It was like, oh, and I was going to go to Bath and and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, just go do business studies because that was the fallback option, wasn't it? So yeah, I, yeah, I actually yeah. did um, a Bachelor of Science Business Studies with Marketing Management at Salford. And tell us what you got in that. Oh, I got a first class degree. How? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Okay, no, I do know because I'm... I'm I, I, I had fun. And in the final year, to be fair to me, I did pick up the pace you, and I did go to lectures. To I did. Oh, gosh, in the final year, I did. Yeah. In the fact, yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, I turned, up to I turned up to the exams and got a first. No, of course, bollocks, I didn't do that. But what happened was I spent the first two years just messing around, missed everything. The second year counted to a certain percentage, I can't remember. Then yeah. I did, um, I was really lucky because Salford do the like industrial placement. So we got to doing, I got, go and do a year so I did a year in recruitment um and then that was great because I got loads of money I tell you what as well recruitment took me a very long time in marketing to earn the salary I was earning in my year out as a student because as a, like yeah selling people through recruitment sorry you don't sell people <laughs> you just realized that sounds yeah, awful yeah. human trafficking doesn't it <laughs> That's awful. Look, all we need is not human trafficking. I take that back. I've, Cancel, clear, delete. I've got contacts in Salford. All we need is a couple of low loaders and we can work this out. <laughs> yeah, that would have made some serious money. Um, but no, my final year, I definitely went back and I was like, is this, I'm a big believer, right, in positive mental attitude, right? So I really believe in the power of the brain, being able to control and help you. And I always knew I was going to get a first. Like, it wasn't in question to me. And I can remember at the end of my placement, the regional director saying to me at the time, oh, like, you know, a makes it interview for my placement. Like, oh, what do you think you're going to get? So I'm going to get a first. 
like I've not been to any lectures till this point and messed yeah. around. My poor friend Kathy yeah. was giving me all her notes all the time. I'm going to get first, obviously. And I remember him being like, oh, yeah. And I remember thinking, are you joking? Like, of course I am. Anyway, when I went back, I did apply myself. I did go to the library. I did study. And actually, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed like reading the journal articles, as crazy as it sounds, because I liked taking the knowledge in and then I liked interpreting it in terms of what I thought or felt. Because with marketing, a lot of it's subjective as well. And it's not like a two plus two equals four either. What a, if you're doing a subject and they say, what's your opinion? How can you get that wrong? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously you've got to like, like you've got to quote people. You've got, you've got to, to know that well. you've got to know, like people think, oh, marketers, you all walk around drinking your lattes and colouring in books. Like, yeah. no, there is a lot of strategy and a lot of process and, a, you know, a lot of science behind marketing. I just you, like to defend it a little bit. Did you not have two mates so you could call yourself the three marketeers? Three marketeers, <laughs> I like that, yeah. I thought about that. You should have been a marketeer. <laughs> it's like dating this, isn't it? Mm, it's like we're on a date. I just don't get to ask you anything <laughs> when you went to uni mm -hmm. you mentioned that you sort of cut off all your friends you started again yeah because you broke up with your fella at the time yeah. and i'm assuming quite brutal. if you've got joint friends it becomes uncomfortable and sometimes it's just easier to and start again yeah i mean i'd i'd met my boyfriend at the time when i was 17 and like, we split just before i turned 21 and i'd, I'd been transitioning so that is that first year of uni and stuff and i just for me i I just didn't want to, I want. I, I, I didn't want to be in that environment anymore where I was tempted. I didn't want to be that girl in the toilet. Knocking tempted on, by drugs. drugs. Knocking on. <laughs> you know how that sounded then. Sorry, it just felt like something else. Sorry. But I didn't want to be that girl like, you know, it's one o'clock at, at night in the club and I know like, like oh, four o'clock in the morning, whatever particular time it was. But, and then you think you've, you've run out of your coke. You think your friend's still got some, she's hiding it from yeah, you. Yeah, and you think you can yeah. hear a snorting next door and you're like, uh, why are you keeping it from me? Didn't want. Sorry, I didn't want to be like that five, six o'clock in the morning anymore person. Like we, I'd got to the stage where I wasn't, oh, look, the sunrise coming up. It was dreading it. It was closing the curtains. Let's carry on the party through the day. And I just, I didn't want that anymore. And I wanted, I did want to go to uni. I did want to try something new. And I had some, I, you know, I had some friends that I've been friends with through school, but everything was so interlinked because I had a couple of male friends. So when I met my boyfriend, obviously they naturally became friend friends. And then, yeah, it, it sounds quite cold, but it was only one person after that that I continued to stay in touch with. Mm. I've done it a couple of times in my life where I've got to a certain point, realised that this environment I've cultivated, the people around me wasn't healthy. And sometimes it's time to disconnect and start again. Yeah. And you've got to do it. It's a survival mechanism. Yeah, I just don't want to be derogatory about anybody or say that I'm better than anybody for walking with no. me because I wasn't. Everyone's just learning their own lessons and on their own life journey. And I'm sure they can look at me and think I was a cold-hearted bitch and just really disappeared. But I just need to do what was right for me at that time. It, it doesn't mean that. I, I, you can be with a group of people over here. That ain't making you feel good. It isn't working for you. Yeah. So you start again over there doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that it doesn't yeah. mean that they can't continue to be and do what they are it just yeah. means that's not for me i was watching a documentary i don't watch television but what i do is i handpick and mm -hmm. maybe once a week i watch a film which i yeah. like i think that's nice if i choose the right film and i like to watch a few documentaries and i watched one and it's called um the defiant ones and it's about dr dre and jimmy lovin who were the guys that partnered up a music producer, well, both music producers mm -hmm. in the end, and they sold the Beats Empire, you know, for three billion. And it was about Jimmy Lovin and what he did. He went through life and each time he got to a certain point, he, he got there and thought, although it, from an outside perspective, outwardly it looked like he was incredibly successful and he worked mm -hmm. with Bruce Springsteen and Fleetwood Mac and all these people, but he wasn't happy. So he ditched everything 
And he went into a completely new direction. Mm -hmm. And with music production and engineering, he was sought after all over the world. And he just decided one day his love had gone for it and he just walked away. He was never frightened of downing tools and starting again. If you're on the wrong path and it's comfortable, but you're not happy, you need to get off that path. And sometimes that takes a bit of courage. Mm -hmm. You've got to remove the fear of change. Yeah. Bounce back, Becky. (laughs) They're in. (laughs) So you began your commercial career in food and marketing. Food and drink marketing, yeah. Food and drink marketing. Mm -hmm. What's that? Pie? Coffee? What? (laughs) Okay, interesting you mentioned pies because, yeah, I did used to have to sign off, like, fresh off the uh, production line at six o'clock in the morning, um, the lovely pie samples. So, uh, yeah, that was a very delightful job, especially on a hangover. Did you put weight on? Do you know what? I actually did a little bit, yeah. I was eating a lot of pizzas and a lot of pies and a lot of, like, sausages. Yeah, got on a meat factory. That's another delightful experience. <laughs> in your notes, you say that you met your ex-husband through work. But yeah. There's no mention of Northern Foods or pies. It's Vimto. Vimto, yes. How's that? So... Um, okay, so when so my when I actually graduated, I actually started um, doing post grad work and wanted to be a lecturer in marketing. Um, but I realised that with marketing, I thought it would be better to have actual practical knowledge. Yes. <laughs> so I decided I had to go out into the into the big wide world. So actually, for the first graduated, I was working at the University of Salford with a consultant lecturer, and then my first job was in Vimto. Right. This is the place in Manchester. The- yeah, they're in, New- they're in Newton the Willows, yes. and I actually work for them now. So yeah, so Matt, you mentioned my husband. We met at Vimto when I was there the first time round. I see. I didn't know whether you meant over a glass Vimto or whether you meant in the Vimto ah. factory or the Vimto statue or. Oh no, that would have been a more romantic story. Like I was meeting across the Vimto statue or across a glass of Vimto. There's Vimto Park, isn't there, near the gay village in Manchester? There as well. is, yeah. And there's like Vimto monuments and there's Vimto yeah. apartments and stuff. And yeah, um, obviously because it's born and bred in um, from Salford, Manchester. So yeah, there's a lot of Vimto love in the northwest. Um, but no, we actually met while while working there. You get married at 29. Yeah. First baby at 30. Yep. Second baby at like 32. Okay. So these are both with the same fella? Yes. Okay. And this didn't work out, did it, this relationship? Yeah. My ex-husband, like, um, yeah, great guy, lovely dad. Um, We had, you know, two kids very... um, very close together. I hadn't gone back to work from John West Foods after 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 my son because the commute and the hours and took a few years out of marketing. I'd only just gone back into back into the into the commercial world, working three days a week at Vimto. Yeah. So I'd gone back to Vimto because um, it's a lovely company. I always wanted to go back, and he it's just it's just the usual cliche. Let's just say that. Look, he was working in London. I was at home, um, you know, with two young kids trying to work as well. You know, he was probably was feeling lonely, and yeah. Had an affair with someone at work but obviously don't want to say any names because I don't know if her husband ever found out but um yeah just one of those things so this was the cause of your breakup then yeah, so yeah. it was a really tough year. I mean, I'd just gone back to work. I was dealing with that. Um, my little boy, William, was, was having a, a tough time going into nursery. He wasn't liking it. Like, he was, like, projectile vomiting, not sleeping. Managed to get him into a childminder. Um, I'd got pregnant with our third and um, had an accident. It wasn't a massive big car accident, like, no dramatic story, just someone coming off the motorway shunted into the back of us. i just got my brand-new Q5 from work as well. Right. I was very proud of that car. Um, at the time, I've learned there's other things to be valuable of now, yeah. to value now. 
around, but at the time it was my pride and joy. It was a few weeks old, but actually it helped us because it, it, we were on the road coming up off the motorway and the car just came up at speed into the back. But obviously Q5s are a very sturdy car and they're high up. So actually they just kind of went under and lifted our car up. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't realize I'd miscarried at that point uh, because it was a few weeks later till it took effect. So it'd been a pretty tough year and I did what, I, you know, a lot of us do. It was a bottle of wine a night and a tub of Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Would that have been baby number four? So that was baby number three. That I've got three now, but at that time, that, ah, would, right. have that would have been baby three number three with my ex-husband. Yeah. He, you know, he'd been connected with this woman before that and, and was connected with her after it. And it was at the Christmas time that I found out. So yeah, it was just too much for me. It cortisized it, you know, yeah. he, he is a man with very good values. He's not an evil person. Um, he's, he's a good friend now. And we've, we've managed to get a really good relationship um, for our children out of it all. But for me, you know, I married him and fell in love with him for the good man he was. Mm. But that, that act that he did for whatever reasons, you know, and he, you know, that's his story. That's his to live with. I, it just was too much for me. People can be on the same path and then they grow apart and there can be somebody else involved. Yeah. And at this point, it's, if you can stay amicable and stay, it takes time. But then become amicable and stay friends, especially when you've obviously you've got common interests, your children and stuff. Then yeah. a few years down the line, you just accept that you're different people, you have different lives now. But yeah, if you can stay friends, that's, you know, I'm assuming that's how it is now. Yeah, I mean, it's not even about how it is now. It was like how it was from the start. Um, you know, I think I said this to you earlier, like I am a big believer in like, like, you know, shit happens to you, life throws stuff up, it's how you deal with it and how you respond. And something I've always been passionate about is not like getting consumed with the bitterness. When all this happened, what was I going to do? Sit there in hatred and resentment and bitterness and have all this revenge against him because ultimately who would that hurt? It would hurt me and my children. Yeah. So very early on, I mean, at my friend Sally, she always says like, you're my heroine, just because it was his birthday a few weeks later and I still baked him a cake with the kids and we still did the presents and we still carried on all that. That's not me being like, oh, look at me. Like, how great am I? That was the right thing to do at the time with two very young children. I've never bad mouthed him to the children. You know, they've just, they just, their understanding of it is that we just fell out of love because why would I diminish their hero, their father in their minds? You know, they're too young to understand that he made a mistake and that's normal human experience. He's living his own experiences in life. Anger or resentment, these kind of feelings, are just like a hot coal and the person carrying it is the person it burns. That's the person it does the most damage to. Yeah. You've got to get rid of that shit. Yeah, you know, agree. Doesn't serve you, and once you do get rid of it, and mm. you just you can then usually just look back and go, well, here, well, that happened. Mm -hmm. Let's look over there now and just start moving towards the light again. You know. Yeah, and also could just point out in getting rid of it, that doesn't mean throwing that hot rock at someone else. <laughs> this is the point. Not giving it to somebody else. Not launching no, it's it. Putting it down. Putting it down. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And letting it burn out. Then I said I was going to tease you a little bit about this. Okay. Online dating. <laughs> I've never done it. I've never looked at an online dating site. Divorced and dating in the digital age, my goodness. The people who were working with me at that time had some, like, they were just, they were loving living their life through me with the stories. Honestly, goodness me. Tinder, Grinder. It was Tinder at the time. Not Grinder. I think Grinder's the yeah, gay yeah, one, is it? Yeah, I don't Tinder, know. But, yeah, yeah, it was Tinder for me. Um, it was men I was after. And yeah, gosh, that was an eye-opener, you know, and... Look, arguably I went on it too soon. I didn't give myself enough time to heal. Um, the output you don't that, do any healing on Tinder, do well, you? Well, that's exactly the point, isn't it? I, I think for me it was like, so I went on it with for two, I went on it for two very like, two, two, for two reasons. One was that I did want to go on it to like date and meet people. So I was kind of like 
matching with men of a similar age, similar kind of like, you know, a professional capacity, um, maybe who had kids themselves yeah. and to go Is for it dinner. Is it professional people? The word, the word, that's what I'm saying, there's different people. Ah, so I did that, okay. but then I also matched with the 10 year younger. Oh, that's a category, is it? Men. No, you can put your ages on, can't you? Oh, I'm just oh, saying my approach. Uh, right. So, okay, so if you don't know what Tinder is, oh my goodness me. So literally you can put like the age group that you want, you can put your geographical region that you want to search under right. and your age, that bracket that you're interested in. And now like the recent, this is like five, six years ago. And now I think you can do all sorts of like matching on different things. And you've, I don't, there's all sorts of stuff going on with yeah, it now. Want to move big hands or whatever. <laughs> put very specific specifications down. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it started out to like, like just get myself out there and and then you know I, I guess it was I had I spent so much time and energy making sure that I wasn't letting the kids feel it and I wasn't letting the anger resentment build I didn't give myself enough time to really heal yeah and look after myself and nourish myself and realize that I had some quite there were certain cycles that I've been repeating themselves through my life and I wasn't learning my lessons no we all do it we all have these patterns and it's breaking those patterns. It's recognising them. You can't break them till you see them. Yeah. To see them, you have to pause and get perspective, focus and clarity. Once you see those patterns, then you can say, ah, that's what I've been doing. Well, yeah. I need to stop that. You know, but you don't see it when you're in it. You know, you no. we're, we're just we're you know we're these enlightened souls living these very human experiences, and we're here to learn on this in this school of planet Earth. And exactly, this is what I was saying about a treadmill before. I didn't know I was on a treadmill until I got thrown off it, and then I looked back and I thought, my God, I've been on this treadmill running at full speed for twenty years, yeah. and I didn't know I was on it. When you're on it, you're so busy and consumed by trying to yeah. keep up that you forget what your motivation is, you know, yeah. why you're doing it. Yeah. yeah. And like, like for me, you know, yeah, I mean, I just didn't learn my lessons. And I kept getting taught them and the, 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 the scenarios, well, there's some brutal scenarios at a very early age, but they keep repeating in your life. So like you realize and you wake up, don't they? So yeah, right. You know, I had probably a, a five or six month period where I'd started to try and not try. I was like looking for my self-worth in the wrong places. Should we put it that way? Yeah. So, um, you know, part of it, I guess, as much as I was saying, don't take any negative energy on, but I'm learning that part of it was a little bit of kind of maybe, mm. maybe revenge mentality as like, I'll show him, you know, yeah, look at me yeah, now, like yeah. getting my, like I'm out there and living my best life and these men are attracted to me and I'm having more orgasms than when I was with you, you know, that type of thing, <laughs> yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, and that yeah. maybe that was a bit of like, like yeah. negative energy and I, I was looking but, for, to make myself feel good as and well. Maybe it was just part of the process something you needed to go through. Yeah. Do you know what? I've made it sound like a really negative experience. I had some really good experiences oh, yeah. and I had I had some really enjoyable moments. I'm sure you did. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you did. Yeah. You said that you actually thought you'd find your Prince Charming. Was this through a dating site? Yeah, through Tinder. Tinder. Right. Yeah. So I met my ex-boyfriend through Tinder. Thought I'd found my Prince Charming, turned into a frog. He'd probably say the same about me. Toxic relationship, lots of lies. Um, but you live and learn, don't you? And... We've got a baby, though, out of it. He's the father of Reggie, is it? Yeah, my yeah. third, Reggie. Right. So I always wanted three children. I always felt that soul of the miscarriage of my um, ex-husband. It was always a gap in my life. It was always missed. I felt I always felt like I was supposed to be a mother of three. Yeah. Um, so I realised, you know, as, as much as the lessons that that relationship taught me and are still teaching me, you know, it was also my opportunity to have that soul come into my life and for Reggie to be born. Tell us the name of... 
All your kids and how old are you? Yes, yeah, so I've got Emmy, who's 10, soon to be 11, Wills is 9, and Reggie 3. I see. I've seen a picture of them on Facebook. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and you look very happy. Yeah, I, I love being a mum, you know, and that was one of, like, one of the things, like, I'm, I'm proud of. I have got some kind of, like, regrets around, kind of, you know, things happen to you in life and you look back as a mummy, like, oh, was that present enough when I was dealing with a lot of this stuff that's happened? But actually, yeah, because I am the mum who will climb the tree with the kids, who will go and dig for the worms. And Brilliant. when we're having family time, I'm the happiest. Yeah. And kids, society now, a lot of people are basically, they wake up, check the phone, then they're on a computer all day, then they come home, then they're on their iPad. Yeah. Then they're watching television, and it's just screen, 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 screen. And yeah. they're disconnected from the things that feed us the energy of Gaia, the, the earth and nature. Yeah. And so being outside with kids is massively important. Oh, 100% agree. And don't get me wrong, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm this like purist mum who my kids don't have devices because that's mm. absolute bollocks. If you know me in the morning when I'm trying to get three kids out of the house and they're on, I have an iPad time or if I need to relax or chill out and I'm doing something, yeah. they have iPad time. It's but about balance. It's balance. You know, so I'm lucky enough to live where I can walk to school and walk back again. So you're getting that. We've got two yeah. dogs. So every day they have some sort of walk. And then absolutely at the weekend, always out you know at the National yeah. Trust the local forest We spend, and when I say out I'm talking a few hours every weekend this is what you're saying though makes a lot of sense to me number one is making it integral so putting things in your routine that mean as part of your daily routine that you're going out so it can be mm -hmm. the walk to school do the walk not the drive this kind yes. of if you, if you can yeah you know it's maybe in the evening, putting that time aside, allocating it and making it yeah. part of your timetable. Yes. And at weekends, I do it with Sundays. Sundays, yeah. that's my day. Yeah. And for a long time, I worked the Sundays. And now, Sundays, we head out and we go and we'll be in a forest, yeah. by a stream, near the seaside, whatever. But getting that time. But you've got yeah. to plan it and factor it in. Or you have to make sure it's in your diary. I mean, with lockdown, I mean, the benefit of the whole situation for me is I got more time with my children so like you know when we we're able to even in like like the colder months if it was nice enough you know you, and that lunch hour you're outside and you're having your lunch outside you know factoring in like you know like say factoring in those moments to get out. We talked about off camera that you know you're a baby making machine and that <laughs> I wouldn't look at you because you'd get pregnant you know so but you've You've certainly had two in very close succession. You yeah. perhaps would have had a third, obviously had the car crash, very mm -hmm. sad. Yeah. But then you've you've got Reggie got now Reggie as now. well. And so you're a single mum again. Yes. Yes, with three kids. Yes. Yes. And I'm assuming that's that's uh, a full time job. It's very busy. Yeah, it's had its challenges. I mean, last year, obviously, working from home with three of them was, was, was challenging. Like I was referencing my husband before, but like I say, we've got a really good partnership now and he helps like 50-50 um, with Emmy and Wills. So, you know, without that, I might have gone a little bit more crazy. Yeah, I think I've, I've always said this with children. When if two parents are together mm -hmm. and it's abrasive and they're not getting on... And for many years, families stayed together and say, oh, we're staying together because of the kids. Completely wrong. You're better with two parents that are independent, that are separate, that aren't together and that are happy and love seeing the kids. Mm -hmm. And they see the kids half as much, but it gives the other parent a break. And it, it, it can work. Yeah. You know, it can be a great arrangement and you make the most of it. Families that stay together because of the kids, using this as an excuse, were the falling out all the time and the kids are around that and they don't get a break themselves. Yeah. And stuff. It, that, if it isn't working, fix yeah. it, you know, and yeah. that fixing it doesn't necessarily mean forcing something. It means creating space yeah. and doing what you need to do to work as a family unit, even if the parents are apart. 
Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, pop, like teachers have even commented about how well like we've we've dealt with it and, and the children just benefit. So, you know, if it's if it's a kid's birthday party, like we share that and we'll blow out the cake together. And, you know, if if I need to change because I'm I'm coming here, for example, he'll go and pick the kids up. You know, we're flexible with yeah. each other. The kids see us getting on and getting on and they see us as partners in parenting. Yeah. I, that's a brilliant term as well. And I think like you said, if you're both flexible and mm. when things change, actually, can, can you help me out here and whatever? Yeah. And then when it's on the flip side, you'll do the same. And, and that's a good arrangement. Yeah. It's amicable. It's friendly. This then is the start, this period. So you're single again mm -hmm. and COVID happens. And this yeah. is the start of your transformation. Prior to this, the Reiki and the Theta Priestess and being vegan and stuff. Were these things, are these all new or were some of them before that? Yes, I know it's a good question. So I referenced it, I was very spiritual as a teenager. I've always like been interested in like your oracle cards. So I've like played around with those for like quite a few years, crystals, that type of thing. Then a few years ago, um, the gorgeous Becky Hansen, my yoga teacher, introduced me to you, Suiwi Reiki. Um, and then, yeah. So th that was pre-lock, you were this doing Reiki before. This is a few before. years ago, yes. yeah. And Reiki was the... The start of it then? Yeah, yeah, probably. Well, the oracles, the crystals, and then, yeah, I'd always been interested in Reiki and had Reiki treatments and had massage and I'd cup in. And I've always had a lot of, like, I've always, like, experimented going to have holistic treatments done on myself. Yeah. But I guess what I'd never done is practice to do it myself and other people. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, yeah. learn the modality. Yeah. And then this time last year, obviously, lockdown, and I found uh, Tina Pavlou and the Goddess Rooms and Mantras in Pyjamas. So Tina does Mantras in Pyjamas in the morning. So we, we, we sing, we go up to theatre and we clear space and is, is do downloads. Is this all online? This? Yeah, online. Right. So okay. she goes on Facebook on a live and does the mantras for the month. And we work with essential oils and downloads. Found that, obviously. I'd already been doing yoga and Pilates for like 20 years. Um, but found Liam um, with his, uh, you know, his, his two hours of like yoga and dance on a Sunday which was just yeah. amazing for me to bring in like all the chakra work and the releasing and the dancing with the yoga was just loved it so these are his yoga raves you've been yeah but he was what do you used to call them when they were on a Sunday I think did he still call them a yoga rave because he, he used to do it live on a, on a Sunday sorry Liam I can't remember what you called them but basically on a Sunday he'd go live and for two hours yeah. he'd you know you'd dance and then his brother would be on the decks and he'd do his you know you do your bit of yoga and then you dance again so I was doing that and obviously then I went like started cacao ceremonies and that was amazing like learning the gorgeous plant medicine of cacao and that heart yeah. opening um yeah. and yeah just like and then everything's just like massively accelerated so I went and did angelic reiki training did that and um, learned about theta and I've done six courses now today on theta so really right. throw myself in so what is a theta priestess so the theta priestess is my terminology so I've just done a three-month priestess codes um, so that's all about learning about the priestesses, like releasing trauma in your womb energy, connecting to your creative energy. And it's a modality from Tina Pavlu that she's been channeled and, and, and brings in theatre and priestess work. So, um, yeah, so for me, um, you know, obviously I'm a theatre practitioner and I'm just like stepping out. And what I like is... I like learning about all these different modalities so that I can channel and work with what makes sense to me. Yes. So for me, what does like, what does like the theatre, what's the priestess, this is all about, you know, working with women to help empower women for them to release any like, like negative beliefs, anything that's holding them back for them to connect to their, their sexual energy for them to, um, like, yeah, just to feel empowered within self and, and just to grow and awaken and just acknowledge and know their, like their journey and their, their highest and best really. Okay, Jade, this is something I've been dying to ask you. So... <laughs> What is a yoni, yoni and 
what yoni and what are the um i don't know the correct term the is it the womb herbs or the... The yoni steaming. Yes. The yoni what's, eggs. What's so all this it, about? It's all about the practice of just releasing trauma from that area and helping Have you got a traumatised your... yoni? <laughs> a traumatised fanny. <laughs> yeah. So, it, well, everyone has, don't they? I mean, think about, you know, anyone that... It's not about, like, if you've had sexual abuse, it's even just, like, partners that you've had sex with and that residual energy that's lying there, is it still serving you? Do you even want it as part of you, like, part of you? Um, and, you know, it's anything that we can hold... We can hold trauma in our womb and in our yoni... yoni um, space from a variety of different places so is the yoni yoni or yoni do you know what i'm pretty sure there's probably a million different like pronunciations okay. of it i'm going with yoni because that's how i say okay. it but feel free to correct me anybody is, if it's wrong is the yoni the crystal or is the yoni the name the yoni for fanny. right okay <laughs> and that entry point in your womb energy yeah. i mean you can go on and there's different like definitions and explanations isn't it but your yoni is all about your like vaginal energy and your womb and is that term it's like for example it's not an ayurvedic term what where's it come from yoni do you know what? I should know this and I don't know. Uh, can I Google it? Can I ask a friend? Of course, yes. <laughs> Tina would tell me, I'm like, you should know this, Becky. I can't remember where that mm. comes from. But a yoni egg, so for example, um, there's like, you can work with like a jade egg, a rose quartz, or a black, a black obsidian of the traditional yoni eggs. And you put this in? So it's an egg yes. that you put in. Um, you traditionally go through a jade for healing, a rose quartz for love, and then your black obsidian is usually a final one, but you can, do, you can work in whatever order you want. And do you sort of, is it half an hour at night, you pop it in, do you leave it in all day? What? I don't... Yeah, so I'll talk to you about that. That's fine. So there's different things that you can do with the yoni egg. <laughs> I never thought I'd be sitting here telling the local about it, but that's yeah, cool. Yeah, let's do it. So yeah, so, from, like, so there's different things that you can do. So obviously you can just put it in and do just basic Kegel exercises. So just put it in, dance around with it, you know, make sure it doesn't fall out. So you're strengthening your inner walls. Yes. But if you're doing that with a jade egg, obviously that jade crystal has been part of Mother Earth. Think about all that knowledge, all that nourishment. It's, it's, it's mm. collected, you know, it's been here since for eons hasn't it so it's all about like from my perspective how I use it is I would go up go up and into theatre with creative all that is and connect with the egg and connect with it in terms of what I want it to be working on and for me um, jade at the moment and healing um, and then yeah and then I would I would I would insert the egg um, you can have a string coming down the egg so you can massage as well internally to help release trauma as well also for sexual pleasure both okay. um, but you can also put it in there and it's nice to do some sexy dance with it in um, and um, often what I do is after um, a yoni steaming no, what's I'd that? Put it in, but it literally is you're squatting over some herbs and that the steam's going up your fanny basically. Okay. So you pour boiling water on the herbs and that or, or do you burn them? Yeah, so you have so you have like a you have a specific like yoni dish um, and then you put your chosen herbs in. Um, and not just chosen herbs, just go out to the garden and pick any random old crap. Sorry, just yes. to be specific. <laughs> These are very specific selected herbs yeah. that you can buy from, um, you know, from like Yoni practitioners. And, and um, then you put them in and you put the water in. And when obviously that's a, a, an okay level for you to squat over, you can squat. Now, to be honest, you can get them on Amazon and then they sit over your toilet. So mine's just from Amazon. No, yeah. like amazing little like mythical shop. And you put the, I put the herbs in, uh, brew them up. And then um, I just like squat over them, usually on a new moon or full moon. And what's that supposed to do? Help cleanse and release the trauma. Right. Uh, lots of different things. I mean, like, there's, you know, from my perspective, this is this is a practice that I'm doing for myself. Um, it's, you know, I, it's not something that I would sit down and give someone a program to do on them. No. Um, it's something I do for my own health and well-being. But there's a lot of people out there who can really guide you and can link it to proper womb massage as well. So there's a lot of, like, women out there who are very experienced in womb work, womb massage, externally and internally, um, Did... and working all this space. This is something you've done recently as well, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah so, so I've done that as part 
I've like my precess coach training and I've done it on myself. Yeah. So yeah. the honest steaming, you know, doing it like in the new moon and I'm doing my mantras and my journaling, nice herbal tea, candlelight, and just giving myself some goddess time, basically some priestess yeah. time. The moon, I talk about the moon a lot yeah. and I actually, I've got all the cycles of the moon written down. Yes. The exact times. At those times, Brilliant. I set an alarm. I do certain things depending on the phase of the moon. It has a massive impact on whether at that time I need to be making time to relax and disconnect, whether at that time I need to focus on where I want to be and I start manifesting different yeah. phases of the moon. The moon has a massive impact on me. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the people I talk to, obviously, more so female, has mm. a massive impact on them also. Yeah. And not only is it's also where the moon is, like from an astrological perspective and time of year perspective as well, isn't it? Because obviously yeah. uh, right now we know we're coming into like the start of the astrological calendar now and obviously we've got spring equinox coming up and we've got like the like the, the re like it's all the rebirth so i'm with you like the moon is a very very powerful force on our lives and our emotions and i think it's very like from my perspective i found it very important to be aware of the moon and its cycles how it's connected astrologically and um, where i am and um, where we are in the seasons where you know yeah. and and just working with um yeah working with the right crystals with the like it's all it is that holistic word, isn't it? But it is. It's that whole holistic piece, isn't yeah. it? I know it's a very overused word, but that's what you're talking about. It's like all of that together. It, it all makes perfect sense to me. What we talked about before we filmed this show, I was saying about you have to be very careful what you put in your body and what you surround yourself with. And Absolutely. that doesn't just mean the room you're in or nature. It means the people, those energies mm. that your environment are created from. And for me, that includes the earth, the planets, the stars. It all yeah. makes perfect sense. They're going to have, imagine this, the object closest to the earth that has the greatest gravitational pull is the moon, mm -hmm. the one that's closest. Mm -hmm. And we know the effect it has on the tide and mm -hmm. where the load the word lunatic comes from and that, exactly. that's why still to this day that they have to up the staff on full um, moons yeah exactly because they used to call it water on the brain uh, before they had more terms for it but mental illness and madness and if people did have water on the brain the earth's the greatest pull from the moon on the earth's gravitational field is when there's a full mm -hmm. moon and so when there's a full moon increases the pressure on the brain mm -hmm. it all made sense to me it mm -hmm. all made sense and but i ask you how many of those people this mental illness how many were really mentally ill how many were just awakened and tapping into stuff that oh yeah i'm going back to the days where they called them lunatic asylums yeah. and they did crazy experiments and yeah basically if you, if you were a lady and you you were surrounded by birds and trees and using herbs. You're a witch. Yeah. You know, they, I'm, I'm not talking about my opinions and thoughts. I'm saying this is how people were viewed at the time. And so, yeah. I am a witch, by the way. I know, I'm I know quite many. proud to say. I've had many on the show. Yeah, well, a few anyway. Yeah. It's so funny. If you look back and go through history, the things now that seem so ridiculous, at that time, people accepted it. And it's only with perspective. Usually every 50 years, you look back and you see... How crazy. And you always say, oh, God, I can't believe they did that. That would mm -hmm. never happen. But if you're born into that and you don't mm -hmm. know any different, quite often you accept it. Mm -hmm. So having, you know, apartheid seems insane to me. Corporal punishment seems insane to me. And burning witches and the Crusades and uh, there's so many things that seem, you know, and, and the Spanish Inquisition... All of these things seem insane to me now. Mm. But at the time, people didn't know any different. Yeah. I always ask myself, what's happening right now that in 50 years mm. we'll loop back and it'll be no different than witchcraft or slavery mm. or these kind of things? And for me, it's probably, it's, it's the mass production and eating of animals. It's the eating meat. Yeah. 
that's with 50 years we'll look back and we'll say I can't believe they went along with that if I was born I would never go along with that but most of us do and, and just yeah I, gosh the, like what we put into our bodies like that yeah, the whole meat I fully fully agree with you but even just down to the chemicals and everything like the deodorants we put on what we clean our teeth with bleach like our cleaning products all the chemicals all the toxins yeah I've just recently found the medical medium and that's like just a fascinating read and I'm, I'm going to do one of um, his um, cleanses in April when it's the right time for me but the amount of toxins that we're taking into our bodies and what it does to our bodies and illnesses like people are getting old and having these illnesses but it, and not realising in, looking for answers in like oh it must be this or it must be that but actually is it not just the fact that like, you've lived a life of like putting bad shit basically yeah. in your body from all sorts I, of sources I think when we're born into this world as children we've got a big tool permanently dipped in pure consciousness we're still connected agreed and then as we get older we become a little bit more twisted and warped and the external world affects us and we become damaged you know and the things that we put in our bodies, now I only drink filtered water. I only use um, hemp toothpaste. The, I can make a whole list of things that 10 years ago I would have thought, oh, it's a load of nonsense, yeah. that. Now, but well, it's chemicals, chemicals, huh? chemicals, chemicals from every direction, whether it's in the food, mm -hmm. the products. A lot of it is to do with the things we take for granted, you don't mm -hmm. question. Uh, water and toothpaste, huge. Massive. You Big know. impact. Yeah, so filtered water, and I only use this hemp toothpaste yeah. now. And just from those, I I can feel and notice a difference to yeah. my body. It's all about your vibrations. Mm. And we're just being programmed. We're being reprogrammed into the matrix. I don't yeah. mind saying it. but And, you know, and, and a lot of this stuff we put into us brings our vibe down. Yeah. Although I have to say... I'm moving to natural deodorant. I'm struggling okay. with it at the moment. <laughs> My body's adapting to it. I'm yeah. like, yeah, that natural earthy smell. I mean, I don't even use perfume anymore. Like I've gone from being... Like my friends laugh at me on this vegan journey. In fact, my friend Louise straight away was like, can I have your mulberry handbags? I was like, well, no, because I've already purchased them. It's better that I see <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Might not buy any more, but I'm not yeah, going to yeah. give them up. But like, you know, you know, I've like fully like, you know, embraced the vegan and the and the natural products and stuff. Just been more aware of what I've like, you know, putting in and the difference it, like, it's making to me. And like, not even like, you know, not going out and buying my fancy perfumes anymore, just using essential oils. Yeah. Just yeah. using my essential oils. I very similar. I, I'd be driving around in a, a, a new Merc. I'd have an Omega watch on. I'd have designer gear on, all this kind of thing. But at the same time, the material stuff came with unhappiness. I was taking loads of drugs. I'd yeah. have a drug dependency. I was violent. And I was I was had a mental breakdown. Post that now, I'm quite careful about what I put in my body. It's not mm. perfect, but I, I certainly try and prove yeah. it. Buy all my clothes if... I don't buy many, but the Primark, Asda, that's, that's, that's what I wear. I don't care. It just yeah. doesn't matter to me anymore. Um, I drive around in a car that works, mm -hmm. and I'm very happy about that. And I don't, the designer thing just went yeah. out the window a long time ago, and I'm so much happier. Yeah. You know, because I don't need that stuff anymore. I never really needed it, but I was convinced I was up until the end of my teens. And then I was clearly unhappy. And once you mm. figure it all out, you have the breakdown, you figure it all out, and you think... God, I've been told a load of shit. That's all bollocks. Yeah. Actually, this is what I should be doing. Yeah. And then happiness follows. I think, and you're right, it's, it's that whole, for me, it's that just remembering and just just centering back for me it's like creating that like pure energy of unconditional love and the energy of all that is and just like you know and that's all you need isn't it but I, I do have to say though as much as I've definitely changed in terms of where I put my value so definitely loved 
like my Audis in the past, like my designers, like some of my friends have listened to some, like, oh God, Becky, you are the queen of like the makeup and buying, like, you know, having the brands, like the Chanel sunglasses, like Chanel glasses or whatever. Yeah. But, and for me, it's def- there's definitely been a, sh- a big shift in that in the last couple of years and this last year as well. So where I would have spent money two years ago is drastically different to where I'll be spending it now and in the future. And yeah. it's, you know, completely different. And, it, and and also like, I'm not saying I'm perfect now. I'm like, and I've, I've come out this dark night of the soul, this horrible year. And I'm this amazing, you know, it's a journey. I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still yeah. evolving. In the process of change. I'm, I'm in the process of change, yeah. Yeah. A little change triangle as well. Is it? Sure as that. Well, it's lots of different symbols, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I've got quite a few tattoos, but that one, sometimes I've... the smallest mean the most, don't they? Oh, yes. I've seen little tattoos dotted around you. Yeah, yes. little ones. I've got yeah. a few big ones as well, but yeah, Mother mother Maiden, um, Crone, and my three children, Fire Sign, the, the strength of the, the triangle, the pyramid, the strength of that, and... These ones you can see on my arm now. That's okay. an Iron Man tattoo. Yeah. This is. I went to Spain and did the Madrid marathon, and my friend who I ran it with, his daughter, drew a picture of us both. So we both had the. That's her drawing. That's gorgeous. That is a lotus flower with the initials of the people that I very first time I did ayahuasca, and that is in Lakesh, which is, you are another me. It's a Mayan greeting. Oh. You are another me. I could go. I'm, I'm going. My kids did that. Well, I had some stars done when I went to Texas, and then my little girl designed that. So the three stars are my children, and then yeah, that was my daughter. So like, put yeah, beautiful. But I mean, I've got yeah. like a few bits and pieces. But the, the, what I mean to you, although toxins, it is. But a tattoo, I use. This is how I explain a tattoo. It's an external emotional scar. So you don't wake up on a Monday and think, I'm going to get a big tattoo of this for no real reason. Usually, there's a bereavement, a breakup from a relationship, a shift in energy, something changes and you think okay and you either want to remember something Mm -hmm. or you're moving forward into a new era and so every tattoo I have means something agree you know and so they're external emotional scars I like that even the fairy on my ass means something (laughs) well I've got a butterfly oh yeah (laughs) yeah we're in a tattoo shop it's a funny story Uh, there's six lads we were I think we were 15 or 16 went in tattoo shop and I'd forgot my wallet and I had no money on me. I said, somebody lend us the money. And, and they went, no, no, no. I said, give me some money. And they, said, they went, right, you can have a fiver. The only tattoo in the shop was a ladybird for a fiver. The butterfly was a tenner. So I had to go back the week after and I got a butterfly. Oh, a ladybird. <laughs> I think you got a ladybird. <laughs> it's barely a tattoo. But... So I've got the Chinese symbols on my lower back as well. Uh, yeah. Oh. Well, we've all got it. Well, it doesn't matter. It was... well, they meant something. The symbols mean something. Two grand on this tattoo. It took uh, weeks and weeks to get all this out of the dance come gears comes great strength phoenix rising from the ashes Nothing and then i bought a lifening through the middle for 50 quid to cover somebody's name up <laughs> I, love that. I love that brilliant yeah. <laughs> i joked about the fact that you are a marketeer a musketeer by day but then at night you'll be doing or weekends you'll be doing your theater your reiki your yoni magic what <laughs> Whatever it is. And you're like Batman. You've got these two worlds. I've got my priestess outfit waiting to put on. Oh, when it gets to five that. o'clock, it's yeah. like, reveal the priestess yeah. with it. And it has a yoni like, flap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like crotchless yoni yeah, crotchless. priestess outfit. <laughs> That is a vision. Uh, I love it. But yeah, yeah, priest, yeah, Yoni Priestess by night. Yeah, love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about what's next for Becky Jane mm-hmm. because... We're in the present moment now. We're talking yep. about a lot of things you've been doing. A lot of it's happened recently in the last year or so yeah. as well. You know, a lot of change. But you've now got, I noticed in the last week or so on mm-hmm. Facebook, your new logo. Yes. Um, things are happening. What's happening? Yes. Well, I just, you know, 
I started, you know, started out a few years ago thinking, oh yeah, you know, go on this Reiki and I'd like to do it at some point in the future. Obviously we've talked about this last year and acceleration that's been for me in terms of the, like just wanting to consume and know everything. And I started out like, right, you know, if, you know I'm going to finish my, my Reiki masters and, and, and start teaching it and start like um, doing Reiki and people. And then, which I've which been doing, I've been doing Reiki. But then I just, it's one of those things, isn't it? You can't be the wounded healer. You've got to do the work on yourself. Yeah. And as um, like my mentor Tina would say, like, you know, you can only go as deep with others as you've gone with, within yourself. So mm. yeah, and obviously I've had a lot of things that have been happening this last year to, to me, my external and personal environment. And I had a lot of stuff to deal with. You know, I had to go back and go, actually, have I dealt with that from when I was that age, have I dealt with that? Have I, you know, what's holding me back? You know, cause I, I was tapping in, I was waking up, but what did I have to deal with to really like, really like rediscover myself and stand and in my power? Quite often as well, you'll think I've dealt with that and it'll come back again. Mm. And you think, oh, I thought I dealt with that. Okay, yeah. I've not, obviously I've not done. Yeah. A bit deeper and things just keep coming back and coming course, back. And there's not... layers yeah. and we hold stuff on so, there's like four belief levels in theatre, but you know, you're holding cells, you're holding things in your cells, your physical body holds emotions. We know that through yoga and like the hips mm -hmm. and when you work, you know, I, I did some Aliyam sessions last year and I ended up crying at the end of them because you're mm -hmm. working through the emotions in your physical body. You're releasing so much Sim stored. Similar to that, I've been to many gong baths, home baths and Nicola Telsa says, if you want to understand the universe, think in terms of energy, vibration, and frequency yeah. and you hit these gongs and stuff yeah. and you've been trying for months you've been meditating yoga yeah. you're trying to get rid of these trapped energies you can't hit a gong and that will resonate with a different part of your body and it will release this trapped energy and i've seen people in floods of tears after tears yeah. of joy absolutely like sound like oh, sound healing that's another modality i want to learn more of and yeah. i'll do my tibetan sound bowl myself and all and tuning forks but you know everything all of these healing things like absolutely but just to say, on that note what you just said someone could have done sound healing for years and years and years and they also walk into a yoga practice and have a different release i believe this is my belief you know it we store things in different ways and in different layers and different levels and so it's all you know it's about working through from a physiological a physical a mental a spiritual there's lots of different aspects and that's why i've loved discovering theta because it's like the glue that for me that holds it all together yeah. it's that connection for source energy and then you can channel from the angelic rave to do your angelic reiki you can connect down to you know the crystal plane and you can work with your crystal energy and you can work on the like the, the, mm. the six plane with your sounds and it's, it's like fixing the operating system first which enables you to do everything else yeah yeah i'm still on my journey i'm going to be on my journey till till the end you know till i'm 118 years because i've seen it years old but um yeah so Did you know, do that again 118 years old <laughs> <laughs> at least like you rehearse that <laughs> yeah. and um you know so this is just like a, it's a continuous journey of evolution learning um but for me like in terms of what's next like i've you know i've spent a lot of time like working on myself and then you know people are saying to me like you know people are coming to me as clients like why aren't you doing more to like you know to bring people in and i trust that the right people will come at the right time and things Perfect. will just naturally fall into place yeah. and then Jenny was just like oh I've got this guy called Patrick I think you're going to connect with him and like you know and then the next thing she shared something and I'd commented and yeah. then here I am and, yeah, yeah. and hence then I was like oh maybe well, I should just create a platform that's a bit more public so yeah and then at the end of this year I want to be doing my teacher training so that next year I can start like tra like actually do teacher training yeah. for the record you have connected with me yay yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, definitely have. I think you're wonderful. You're beautiful energy. Oh, thank and you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have something very special. Oh, thank you. Make me cry. No. <laughs> yes. I'd like to tell people what we do. Mm -hmm. So when this show goes live, 
underneath in the text on YouTube. We're going to put links under there mm-hmm. so that people can come straight to you to find you. Okay. So maybe just tell us, for example, if they want to find you on your Facebook business page, what do they look for? What's your handle? Becky Jade. Just type in Becky Jade. Spell it for us. Uh, B-E-C-K-Y-J-A-D-E. Space. Notice Becky Jade. And then you're, when you're searching, my logo is quite um, striking. It's, it's Jade Green, Becky Jade. Okay. And it's my triangle, which I was talking about, yes. with the like, evil eye inside. It is, yeah. Yes. yes. Instagram? Yes, yeah, so Becky Jade Light Up, because okay. I want to light everyone up. Oh, one word again. Becky Jade Light Up, yes. L-I-G-H-T-U-P. Yes. Okay. And you have a website that's imminent. Yes. That's going to go out very soon, possibly even before this show goes live. Yes. What I'll do, if that website is live, by the time this show goes on YouTube, mm. I'll put the link for that also underneath. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, Becky. And I am very happy you came into the studio today. This morning, I had a little bit of a dip. I had, I'm in a process of change. There's mm-hmm. lots happening at the minute. And um, I had a little break from the podcast for a week or so because of things that have happened. Mm-hmm. And I just... Needed to stop for a yeah. little while, just just for a week, while I put myself back together again. And you have lifted my spirits, my energy, and I feel great being Good. in your company. Good. Yeah. And I think you're a wonderful human being. Becky keeps bouncing back. Yes, and absolutely. Becky Jade is back on track. She's moving forward, mm-hmm. moving towards the light, and that's evident. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, folks, I'm going to leave you with a quote from my book written by me from Pills to Peace and the quote's written by myself and it's simply this. If you never give up, it's impossible to fail. Success is inevitable if you never give up. Keep moving forward. Keep moving towards the light. Don't be frightened of change. Be prepared to make choices and decisions which mean that you may have to change path. You may have to move in a new direction. I say a successful life is simply this. It's one good decision followed by another. One good decision on its own is just a deviation. Two good decisions in succession creates a new path. You change direction and off you go. Keep moving forward. And this show was called Bounce Back Becky. You can catch this show every Monday and every Thursday on YouTube. Three days later, it goes live as an audio podcast on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, Google, Amazon and many others. You can listen to the radio show every Monday night, 11pm till midnight on Salford City Radio, 94.4 FM or midnight till midnight. You can go to the website, midnightmcbride.com. You can catch me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn and others. You can buy the paperback book and the Kindle book on Amazon, loads of other places. And you can get the audio book on Audible, ACX and iTunes. Have a beautiful week and I'll see you soon. Shalom.